you start to say, I'm a bad person, I'm unloved, I'm never going to be worthy, you, know, you start comparing yourself and making yourself feel like you didn't fulfill these expectations. But who set those expectations, right? A mix of it could be society, but a mix of it is also yourself because it's up to you to realize what those expectations are that you are internalizing. Society is going to spew all kinds of bullshit all the time, and you can allow it to all be bullshit by not sticking up to those same standards in your life and in your path. Welcome to Is It Worth It? The self-worth podcast where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I am a self-worth life coach. I help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force. You can find my other free content under the name Beti Grew Up, that's B-E-T-I Grew Up, on Instagram and YouTube, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at BetiGrewUp.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, my love. So welcome back to another episode. It has been a while and I have missed talking to you on these solo episodes. And I am so excited to be talking about self-worth and productivity today. Um, so first of all, I just want to say I'm sorry for, you know, being so inconsistent with the podcast in the last few months. I needed to just kind of take a break from it and I was planning on announcing it and I actually recorded this podcast before um, this episode on self-worth and productivity, but I didn't like the way it turned out. I couldn't really fully formulate the thoughts and get across what I was trying to say. And when I listened back to just parts of what I had recorded, I knew I needed to just give myself some time and do it over again. And it's so funny because ironically, the episode on self-worth and productivity was when I got really in my head about the productivity aspect of it and when I would get it out and how quickly I needed to do that. And it just kind of catapulted into all this pressure I was putting on myself, which I'm sure a lot of you can relate to. And so it pretty much just, you know, kept building up in my head and I couldn't really get it out until now. But I think I've had the realizations that I've needed to have in order to make this conversation as worthwhile as possible. And I'm just thankful that I have the kind of community that, you know, is willing to let me have those breaks. I know a lot of you have gone back and listened to old episodes. I've still been getting listens um, on the recent episodes as well. So I really, really appreciate your constant support. And I really like to only make episodes when I am saying something helpful, right? I don't want to just put out an episode once a week because I can. I want these episodes to be really impactful and really helpful for you. So thank you for allowing me to have that time off. Um, so starting off, you know, with that first episode of this podcast, when I originally tried to record the same exact episode, I wanted to kind of use that as an example of how we make productivity mean something about ourselves, right? So I recorded part of this episode. I was kind of frustrated as I was recording it, but I kept going. And then I went back and I started listening to it. And all of it was just kind of made up of these tangents. And I didn't feel like there was anything that was really useful and really helpful for the listener. But because of that, I started thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be a bad coach. I'm going to be a bad business business owner and a bad content creator if I don't have new content every single week that's completely original and fresh and I need to have a new perspective on things at all time all the time and I just started putting all this pressure on myself right and I started making it mean so much more than it meant because I'm comfortable sitting down and recording a podcast that's not new to me it's not the first time that I've done this I'm comfortable talking about things and I 
relate to this topic really well as well. So it, there wasn't anything inherent about this activity that was making me procrastinate. But what was making me procrastinate was all the pressure I was putting on myself. And I think that a lot of us can relate to that, right? And the reason behind that is that we're using productivity as a lens to evaluate ourselves. So what I mean is that we say, okay, if I'm not, you know, productive during my time at home, then I'm not going to be a bad, I'm not going to be a good person. I'm not going to be a good productive individual. And like, what does that really mean? Right? You think that you, for some reason, aren't going to have value in society because you're not being productive, even after you get home from work and worked, you know, an eight, 10, 12 hour day. And what's so interesting about that is we are placing our value outside of ourselves. But our entire society is built off of us looking to the external as validation, right? People don't necessarily ask you what your morals and values are, what you're doing for society, how you're helping the earth, or how well you're raising your children. No, as a way to see how well you're raising your children, people look at their grades, they look at their hobbies, they look at how much money you have, they look at the kind of house that you live in or the neighborhood that you're in, right? For people to look at how successful you are, they look at your follower count on social media or they look at how much you made in the last year. People don't look at what you are really capable of, the kind of thoughts that you have, the kind of impact that you're having on your community. All of those things are completely irrelevant. And I recently came across someone who was talking about how the jobs that require the most empathy are paid the least, at least here in America, and the jobs that require the least empathy are paid the most. And that's exactly how we've internalized this in our own daily lives, right? We don't look at these aspects of ourselves, like how good of a friend we are or how good of a parent we are to measure our worth most of the time because our society doesn't look at those things either, right? Even if we internally feel like, wow, I'm a good person or wow, I'm paying attention to personal growth and this is great. Society doesn't always award you for that from the outside, right? So even if you are acknowledging your growth or proud of these different aspects of who you are and your identity, that still doesn't mean that society is going to award you the same type of attention, gratification, and the same type of acknowledgement for being insightful. They're still looking at these external things. So if you're super happy, have a great, you know, family or home life, and you live in this like gorgeous little cottage that you handmade, that's not necessarily going to make people from the outside value you. They're still more impressed by the giant mansions and the three Teslas in the driveway, right? And that's just what our society is. But we have to remember that we can separate ourselves from that, right? Like you decide if these external thoughts or systems have a role in your life. And yes, I know we live in a capitalistic society and a lot of us can't just, you know, exit out of that even if we want to. And that's something that so many of us are navigating, right? But we can still have an influence over what we're making things mean and what we're giving ourselves permission to do and to not do. This just explains even more how self-worth is always externally measured, right? So even as an individual, even if we're not looking at the societal perspective, but just on an individual basis, if you are looking for your own self-worth, 
you'll often look to, okay, well, where am I in society, right? Like I have a roof over my head. I have this in savings. I have um, this kind of goal, or I'm in this kind of career path, or I have hopes and dreams to do this, or I have this kind of family. We still are looking to these external things, even on an individual basis to determine our worth. And just as a personal example, I've always used finances and I've had an up and down relationship with finances over the years as a way of measuring my worth. And you know, that stems all the way to growing up in kind of a low income family type of situation, but also being around people who were really wealthy, but also having to fight or try to negotiate in the corporate world and then trying to figure out my own pricing for my own business and what I need to live and thrive and what's ethical for me to charge. And all of these things have created such a deep relationship with me, my money mindset, my financial perspective, and I've always, to some extent, used money to measure my self-worth. And talking about, you know, negotiating a job or what you deserve, that's such, that's another aspect of how our capitalistic society can try to place a value on us by giving us an arbitrary number per year and saying that that's what we deserve and what we're capable of, right? And so we have to just give ourselves permission and forgive ourselves for having to grow up in such a crazy society with such kind of backwards rules. Like if we think back to our ancestors or, you know, villages or more like indigenous or ancient ways of living, there wasn't this kind of number placed over everyone's head as a measurement of how valuable they were in society. So even if you think back to like healers or shamans or medicine people in different societies, a lot of the time, like they weren't sitting there worrying about what they had to charge. They essentially didn't charge anything, but the society made sure that they had food, that they had a home. They would open up their homes to them if something ever happened, right? And so that person was, their value was so integral to how the society ran that they didn't have to worry about, you know, paying rent and doing all these things that we do today. And so they didn't have to charge the people who went to see them. And so because of that, it be kind of it kind of became this reciprocal relationship saying, well, like, we need you, so we're going to take care of you so you can take care of us. And because of that cycle of abundance and gratitude, then the healer could also take care of them without having to put a price on it, right? And that's what I feel like society should be like. But because we haven't grown up in that kind of society, it makes sense that you're feeling such stress over productivity. And it makes sense that you're feeling such stress over finances and then feeling like you have to be productive to get money or whatever, you know, your whatever stories you're telling yourself. And so the reason I just bring that up is because I want to remind you that if your mind is having trouble getting around the idea of productivity or if your mind is just having if your brain is just having trouble allowing you to relax, a lot of that is not you being abnormal. That's a normal brain, that's a normal emotional reaction to our society being so different than what I feel like is much more natural, right? Even, you know, these high rent prices and these single family homes, all of that is a product of colonization and gentrification and all these systems of living that aren't necessarily what makes sense to most of us. And so because of that, I feel like a big part of where you can start to heal your relationship with productivity is forgiving yourself for having these thoughts and showing empathy to yourself for having to navigate this kind of crazy world with these rules that don't always make sense. And by giving yourself forgiveness and giving yourself permission, you're able to kind of 
make it easier to deal with these emotions and these ups and downs. And um, an example that I want to bring up is kind of this example of every emotion, like having a house, right? You have this house in the woods and it's completely yours and no one else is around. And all of your emotions are these people that are coming in, right? But if fear or guilt or shame is knocking at the door and just being so aggressive and you don't want to let it in, then you're going to like hold back the door and then just use all of your force and all of your energy to hold this door back so that they don't come in. But by giving by doing that, by being so afraid that you're going to experience fear or shame or guilt, then you are giving all of your attention to that because all of your attention is holding back this door that they're trying to get through. If you take yourself off of that door and you're not so worried about them coming in, you can leave the door open and they can come in and leave just like every other emotion, just like happiness and sadness and joy and peace and contentment alongside those can be fear and guilt and shame. And that's okay. Like we literally signed up for this experience of life as a human being. And this is part of the condition of living such an experience, right? And so if you're able to just take your attention off, then you can be in this house where the door is open, people can come and go. And so that leaves you in the power position of being the host where you can grab water and sit down with peace. You can cut up some cake for contentment, right? You can decide what you want to go for and actively choose that because you're letting everything kind of coexist instead of being so frustrated that the guilt or fear or shame is going to come up, right? And of course, shame doesn't feel good. Like these things don't feel good, but the more that we allow them to just be there, you can say, okay, well, this one doesn't make me feel good, but peace or happiness or joy is over there in the corner. I'm going to go talk to them and you can just kind of let it be, right? Because you're never going to get to a place where joy, I mean, where shame, guilt, or fear aren't a part of life. You will always doubt yourself. You will always be a little bit fearful of the next step or whatever is then out of your comfort zone. Even if your comfort zone continues to grow, there's always going to be something on the other side of that barrier, right? So as people who are leading their life, who are living authentically, who are not going with the conventional and not just going with the norm and deciding not to conform, you're going to have things that scare you. You're going to be a leader and do things that haven't been done before. And that's good. That's what you should be. You should be honoring those urges and those parts of you. And so because of that, I mean, again, as long as they're healthy and as long as they're not hurting anyone at least, but um, in order to embrace those parts of yourself, you have to be okay with those quote unquote negative emotions coming up. But again, you don't want to fully let go of fear because fear can teach you some healthy lessons. Fear can remind you of lessons that you've learned before. And so you have to learn how to coexist with these emotions on a healthy level. But again, just feeling all this tension, like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm feeling guilty for not being productive right now, but oh, I shouldn't feel guilty. Like just putting all that anger against yourself or towards yourself because of this push and pull between should I feel guilty and no, I shouldn't feel guilty and I know better than this and consciously I know I don't need to be productive, but emotionally and like that push and pull is where so many of us get lost, myself included, right? Like I've lost literal weekends to wanting to rest and then feeling guilty for resting and then my mind being like, no, don't feel guilty and you're allowed to do this and that. and then like it's just all this back and forth that I can't even just have a relaxing afternoon, right? And so that's what a lot of us have to kind of start with to 
to begin uncoupling this relationship of productivity and self-worth. But one other thing that I also want to go back to is, again, talking about how our self-worth is always measured externally, even on an individual level, right? So ask yourself, like, how do I measure my self-worth? When do I feel most confident? When do I feel most valued? And if you can answer those as kind of separate journal prompts or kind of talk about all of those together, um, and write about that for a couple pages, you'll probably be really interested to find out how you are defining your self-worth, right? Some people do it by relationship status. Some people do it by body image or, you know, weight gain or weight loss. Some people do it like I did through finances. Um, so we all have a different way of measuring our worth or using a particular area or circumstance in life to reflect our worth back to us, right? And again, this is encouraged by our externally validating society that praises us when we get into a relationship or when we get married or when we have a baby or when we graduate with X amount of degrees, but doesn't necessarily have any sort of reward system for like someone realizing that they can now trust themselves or someone actually gaining confidence, right? Anyways, I digress. Um, when you journal about these things, you can figure out where you're placing that value and you can start questioning yourself about it or reminding yourself that that is not who you are and that is not where your worth should be coming from, right? Because if you have a relationship, you'll be just as worthy as when you break up with that person. And if I have $100,000 in my bank account, I'll be just as worthy as I am with not that in my bank account right now, right? And so these things, as much as we want it to, as much as our brain is used to thinking that these are the factors that that determine our worth and our value, they really don't. And it's up to you to give yourself the permission to not see it that way. You are the one who is in control and who can say, I'm not going to look to my bank account to remind me that I'm worthy or to remind me that I'm not worthy, right? I'm not going to use this as just a reason to push myself or make myself feel bad. And for a lot of us, productivity may be one of those, right? So looking at how productive you are, how many hours you worked. And I used to wear this like a badge of honor, especially when I was at my corporate job, like, oh, I have, you know, seven meetings and I barely have any time for this and that, or like, I need to grab my lunch in 15 minutes or, you know, just things like that, that were just so rooted in like this hustle culture and this need to be busy and this value in that. And that was something that my college really promoted as well, like just work hard, play hard, but definitely having, you know, a full schedule, a full set of adjunct classes and a regular class and being a part of this many clubs and not having any time and being done with work at 10 p.m. and then partying until two or three or four in the morning and then doing it all over again. Like that was what I grew up in for so many years of my young adult life, right? So of course I'm going to reach to that for that validation or for that reminder that I'm worthy because I'm busy, right? And busy work is something that I really fed into at the start of my business. I would spend hours and hours editing a video on YouTube. Now I haven't edited a YouTube video in like five or six months and I've still been able to get clients or keep my business moving, right? But I made it like this thing in my head, like, oh, if I'm not working at all hours, if I'm not stressed over what I'm doing or what my ne next project is, then I have no role in this earth. I have no place in in society because I'm not constantly working. And so that brings me to my next point, which is who does it serve to always be productive, right? Like who does it genuinely serve to be productive and to be busy all the time? Is it going to serve your family or your pets who you're taking attention away from? Is it going to serve you because you're constantly feeling burnt out and guilty and shamed? 
Is it your employer because you're spending hours and hours and glorifying yourself on staying late at the office every night? Because it seems like the people who benefit are pretty much just your employers, your professors, and that's really it. Because I even clients or even any sort of situation where you're working with people, like a client is not going to benefit from a burnt out coach or a burnt out therapist, right? And so even on any sort of level where you're working individually with clients, or even if you're teaching a group of students, like that's not going to go as well if you are burnt out and stressed out all the time. Anything having to do with people or actually helping someone or doing the things that I feel are truly what makes you valuable and what makes what should be valued in society, for all of that, you are not benefiting anyone by being busy all the time and overworked and stressed out. So who does it really serve to be productive all the time? And do you want to serve them? And a lot of the time you may realize that like, okay, yeah, it might serve my employer when I'm busy all the time at at work, but who does it serve when I go home and I'm stressed out about being busy all the time? No one, literally no one. Like maybe you have a side hustle. Maybe you have something else that you want to spend time on and that's great. But instead of forcing yourself to be busy all the time, be productive or to, you know, put in X amount of hours, maybe you should start focusing on, okay, what's the next big thing that I can do to move my side hustle or move my business forward? And what can I do to achieve my goals, right? Working towards something that's a future that you see yourself in or something that you want for yourself instead of using this fear to motivate you, right? And going back to the guest house example, not using all of your energy to keep that fear out, but instead allowing it to just be a part of life and a part of something that you experience like every other emotion, but it doesn't have to mean this whole thing about who you are and what you're capable of, right? Because our tendency is to take one lesson and project it over our whole future. But the future hasn't happened yet, baby. Like you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to wonder what's going to happen and how it's all going to fall into place because there's so many different aspects of what's going on at the same time that you cannot control. But what you can control is focusing on what you want, drawing in more of that, spending time and being present where you are right now, right? All of those things will help you so much more than just, you know, focusing on fear or using these different negative things as a motivator. And so there's two kind of thoughts that I want to talk about right now. And the first one is that a lot of people, especially on Instagram, they'll talk about how rest is productive. And I do think that this is true. However, I have sort of an issue with this, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, but this is the idea that rest is productive. And so giving yourself this permission to genuinely rest and take time off and revel and take pleasure in that. So if that mindset and if that framework works for you then that's amazing because the point is we just want you to rest and chill and be happy with that and give yourself permission to do so so again if that mindset works for you then go for it the only thing that I'm going to bring up is that it still kind of pushes this perspective of you have to be productive right if rest is one thing that's included in this mindset of productivity then 
rest is productivity, but overall your mindset is still focused on how can I be productive all the time? Well, that means I need to work, I need to rest, I need to X, Y, Z, but you're still thinking, how can I be productive all the time? Your self-worth to some extent is still rooted in that perspective of I'm productive, so I'm worthy. I'm productive, so I'm valued. The only difference here is you're just expanding your current definition of what counts as productive to also include rest. But the other option is you can just let go of productivity altogether. What if you didn't have to measure all of your days and how productive you are, right? And even when I look at the work that I have to say, like I've, I've tried to just stop saying the word productive so much. And I remember this is something that is so overused, especially in like the group of like academics that I was around or the kind of just like very brainy and like overachieving type of people that I was around most of my high school and college, we would always talk about like, I had a productive day. I didn't have a productive day. I did X, Y, and Z. And we would like go over what we did, which is good. Like we wanted to be proud of ourselves and we wanted to share that with our friends. But at the same time, everything was just rooted around how was I productive? What did I do today? Like everything was just broken down into tasks and what you accomplished and I just don't think that that's the only way to look at life. And again, like I may be sounding idealistic, but this is also something that I'm working on and that I'm trying to adopt because I definitely still struggle with, you know, needing to be productive and feeling like days were wasted or a day wasn't good enough because I didn't get enough done. And again, that also kind of reminds me of this podcast, right? That first time that I recorded this episode, I was like, God, I was so productive. I sat down and I recorded this thing and I finally got over my, you know, fear or like my, my procrastination to do it. And now I have to redo it. And I was so upset that I had to like redo this whole thing that I sat down. I took out time of my day where I could have been doing other things to do this. And then I still had to redo it. But again, the point is not that I just spent my day doing a couple of things. My end point is that I want to help you. I want to make things that resonate and remind you of what you're capable of and what you're really here for, right? And that's the end goal. So if that last episode wasn't good enough to do that because it just wasn't covering the topics in the way that I needed them to be covered, then that's something that I have to just let go of, right? It's ultimately not about those two or three hours that I spent recording that podcast and setting everything up. It's more about what is my impact going to be? And that's something that I have to remember and internalize more as well. But that's the thing. It's not just about productivity. It's not just about spending however many hours you can in front of your laptop, right? And that's another something that I want to work on in my business as well. I know that a lot of you are business owners or have some sort of side hustle or are entrepreneurs. And like I was saying earlier, so much of what I needed to do in my business was originally determined around always being busy, right? Not necessarily moving my business forward, because I wasn't, I wasn't even promoting videos, but I would spend 15 to 20 hours a week editing and creating and planning the content for my videos. And so in my mind, I felt like I was busy because I could say, oh, I got a video recorded and I edited this much and I did this and that. And it came down to tasks that I could talk about and say to myself, oh, you had a productive day, but was that actually moving me forward? And was that actually benefiting anyone? Because as soon as it was done, I was way too afraid to even promote it. Like that's not what is helpful, right? And so this is something that I wanted to say to all business owners, because one of my goals in my business is actually to not work a lot. I don't even want to work a 40 hour week if possible. Like I want my business to be making full-time money with part-time hours. And that's a goal that I have for myself. And I think that's fine because I don't need all my time to be spent 
worried about being productive, right? I want to help people and I want to, you know, do things that allow me to make a difference in people's lives. And I can do that through an hour long coaching session, right? It doesn't, it's not necessarily going to take 20 hours of my day to make an impact in someone's life. And that's something that I had to allow myself to realize because it was scary to me to really think that and to internalize that because I realized that meant admitting to my own power. If I'm able to make a difference in someone's life in 60 minutes at a time once a week, and that is something that is going to stay with them forever or make a, a difference for the rest of their lives, then that's what I need to be doing, right? I don't need to sit here spending 20 hours in front of a laptop editing a video. And so it's about giving yourself permission to do that and to be okay with the idea of letting go of productivity altogether. And again, I know that we also touched on like we live in a capitalist society and there's all these things that, you know, determine what we're allowed to do, what we're able to do. But I've been spending the last few years just researching so much about all alternative living and finding new ways to live. And this is something that so many millennials are doing. So if capitalism or if so many aspects of this life or society just don't make sense for you, maybe it is worth it to potentially look into different ways that you could live, right? There are entire communes or hippie communities. There's eco villages. There are tiny house communities. There are people who just individually go and do the van life thing. There are people who, you know, build their own kind of farm and live in a self-sustaining way. There are people that go and work on other people's farms and end up spending most of their life there, right? Like, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that you could flip a switch and do it. I'm still interested in alternative living and yet I still live here in an apartment in a city and I am not there yet right but that's one of my goals and we can all work towards a lifestyle that is different so many of us just accept what we've seen because we just think that that's what's around us but even me like three or four or five years ago I never ever would have thought that I would have started my own business or that's something that I even could do that was not even in my realm of possibilities and so what I'm saying is you can open up the realm of possibilities. If society doesn't serve you, we have to give ourselves permission, especially as BIPOC, but really just permission overall in order to take those steps to live in a world or create a world that does serve us, that does make us feel more aligned, right? Like we don't have to do this whole corporate nine to five, live in a city or live in the suburbs, have these kids. Like we don't have to have that life if we don't want it. And it's up to you to give yourself permission to see things that way. And so you can really start to ask yourself, like, what does my ideal society look like? What does my ideal life look like? How can I let go of productivity as something that I define myself by overall, right? And so those are steps that you really can work towards and take. And like I said, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but that doesn't mean it's not possible or that it'll never happen for you. And speaking of us as BIPOC and how productivity relates to us, we need to rest more than anyone. Like our ancestors did not have the time, luxury, or ability to rest. Our ancestors didn't necessarily have control over how their lives looked or, you know, what their day-to-day -day looked like. But if we have even a fraction of that ability, then it's up to us to take advantage of that. And something that I want to touch on that a lot, not a lot of people know about, and I'm still learning about this and how it works, but if we think about time as an illusion, 
and we think about generational trauma, a lot of people say that when you step outside of your generational trauma, when you really start to heal these generational patterns and curses and you start doing the work, not only are you healing yourself, not only are you healing the next seven descendants in your family line, but a lot of people also believe that you are healing the past seven ancestors in your family line as well, like the past seven generations of ancestors. And that is such huge, massive work, right? So for us to be able to step outside of that, for us to be able to create a new reality, because it's not just easy for us. We can't just walk outside, buy a farm for $5 and live a self-sustaining life. But part of our job, part of our duty as BIPOC, as these people who are breaking generational curses could be creating that society that we want to live in, prioritizing ourselves and our needs, rewriting how we see value. There is so much power in that and there is healing in that. And if you feel like you can genuinely heal past ancestors, heal those wounds, heal that, even if you don't believe that they can heal the past ancestors, you are nevertheless making a massive difference for yourself and for everyone that comes after you. You know what I mean? In, even if you don't have biological children, you could still leave a legacy of an impact on the people around you, right? And so it's just important to realize like this is powerful work and it can be for so much more than just yourself, right? This isn't just about yourself getting a ban and living life. This is about reclaiming power, reclaiming purpose, reclaiming identity and taking those steps to actually live a life that you deserve to live. And so one of the questions that I got on Instagram, switching topics just a little bit, was about grief and productivity, right? And so in this aspect of grief, I just want to bring up, again, this kind of illusion of time. Things like grief don't live inside time. And what I mean by that is that sometimes you can think of that person and five years, 10 years could have passed. But when that one memory or that one smell or that one place triggers you to think about that person or to think about a happy time you had together, you can start sobbing like a little baby, like no time has passed, right? And this is something that I've experienced with the loss of family relatives, even with the loss of my dog. It's been real to realize how much time can go by and how much I can still miss them and want them to be here. And so first of all, like give yourself permission to feel whatever the fuck you're feeling, right? Everything that you are feeling and going through is completely valid. And just like that guest house example, invite every aspect in. Grief might be bigger than everyone else. Grief might be this giant that shows up at your door and every other emotion feels small and tiny, but that's okay. You have room in your house for that right? And it's going to be okay. You are allowed to feel this. And something that I just want to offer on the topic of grief itself is just that my relationship with specifically my grandmother, but even grandparents that I never met in my life on earth, my relationship with them has deepened since they have passed because I've allowed myself to meditate or do breath work and they've come to visit me. They've sent me messages. They've communed with me and we have created a relationship unlike the one that we ever had on earth with many of my relatives and even my dog, um, I just, I feel their energies, I know they're around, and I have a relationship with them. And this is just something that I want to say, and again, I'm not trying to force my 
beliefs on anyone, but if this resonates with you, then it resonates with you. But like, just because they're gone from this earthly realm does not mean that you cannot talk to them, does not mean that they're not still there for you. They may even be able to look out for you more from a different realm than here on earth as a human, right? And so again, it's up to you to decide if you want to carry on these relationships, if you need to just like let it go. But just because they're not here doesn't mean that you can't leave out offerings for them, talk to them, ask them for help, or just say that you miss them out loud or, you know, have photos of them in your home and and leave them things or celebrate their birthday, like all of that is still possible. Um, this is kind of a tangent, but I just, for anyone that needs to hear this message, I know a lot of us are grieving or a lot of us have experienced grief in the past. When you are grieving, you really have to just give yourself permission to not be quote unquote productive. And the thing is not dealing with emotions is going to have a much bigger effect on you than dealing with emotions. You might think, oh my gosh, it's so hard for me to concentrate or to focus or to get any work done, but it's better to go through that phase of fogginess and confusion and just apathy and anger and all the stuff that grief brings with it, it's better to go through that as it comes and to hold space for every one of those emotions rather than it is to repress them, not let them out, and then let them fester in you. Because a lot of the times, unhealed emotions can turn into self-sabotage. It can turn into just frustration or potentially even self-harm. And it's not fun to be trapped in a body where you're hiding so much stuff from yourself. And trust me, like I know this from firsthand experience. I was hiding and in denial of so much stuff about myself for so many years. And finally stepping out of that, even outside of grief, but just outside of that in general has helped me see how much I was in denial about things. And that's when I started, you know, using drugs and not caring about myself and just not, and just self-sabotaging in every way possible. Right. And so not listening to these emotions, not giving space for them is going to have so much more of a worse impact on you than it ever is to just allow yourself to think about these things. But again, I just feel like overall productivity does not have a place when it comes to these heavy emotions. You cannot put a time limit on it. You cannot force it to be anything other than what it is. And what it is, is just going to show up in the present moment in a myriad of different emotions. And that's just something that over time, you'll be able to hold space for more and more. But I think just giving yourself permission to not be productive, right? If there's one thing that you have to do, which is go to work every day, then do your best at going to work. But if you can, and, and you have the kind of job where, you know, you're working on projects, maybe it's good to say no, you know, maybe you do actually need to take that vacation time or that sick time if you have it. If you don't, then maybe it's good to, you know, not put anything else extra on your plate, give yourself permission to just get what you need to get done in your workday and not do anything else. Like who cares if you're not moving forward on your side hustle right now? Who cares if you're not, you know, able to study for X, Y, and Z exam? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter right now. Right now you just need space and there is still a presence of divine timing in your life, right? What is for you will not miss you. And I'm about to talk about this a little bit more in depth, but this is the kind of thing that transcends your to-do list. You know, you, you, 
just have to give yourself permission to not do things. And that's the thing, like when my grandmother passed away when I was 16, like I did the bare minimum. That was the first year that I got like more than one B, I'm pretty sure, in school. And for someone that was just always a good student and that wasn't distracted in other ways, you know, I, I stopped dressing up. I stopped caring about my appearance. My grades were slipping. I was just, you know, not really caring about going out with my friends that much. Like everything lost meaning to me, but I ended up being okay through that process. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek help. If you need to go to therapy, if you need to go to counseling or a support group, that is absolutely something that you should be spending your time on rather than worrying about class or an exam or something else that could be a little bit more trivial, trivial, you know, you know what I mean? And a lot of these things are serious. Like, you know, you, you have to go to work to be able to pay your rent. Like a lot of these things do have serious consequences, but if you can just make a list of the bare minimum, like I said, just worry about your job and leave everything else to the side. Because if you're passionate about it, and if that's what your journey is meant for, then you will do that, right? You will accomplish that. Just trust yourself. Leave that room for trust. But don't put yourself in the position where you're going to harm yourself or sabotage yourself even more because you're not giving yourself this space and this permission right now. And so I just touched on trust, right? Trust that things are going to work out. And that's the last thing that I want to say here, because when we're genuinely worried about productivity, then the underlying message that we're kind of sending out to ourselves and to the universe is I don't trust how things are going to work out because I need to sit here and, you know, work 80 hours a week because otherwise things aren't going to work out well. Things aren't going to go my way. And I need to sit here and overwork and pile on these activities and these hobbies and these responsibilities onto my plate because if I don't, then I'm not going to be loved by other people. And the thing is, that's how people get taken advantage of, right? People don't love you because you do things for them. They love you because they love you, right? They love you because you're present with them, because you spend time with them, because you make them feel good, because you are someone that they just enjoy being around. And so doing things is not going to get that for you. And that was a mistake that I made so many times. I would do things for people or people please or change myself to be like them so that I could make friends. And where are those friends now? Nowhere, honey. I don't know them. I don't talk to them anymore because that's not who I was. And they only liked me because I was reflecting themselves back to them. They only liked me because I was not setting any of my own boundaries and just doing whatever they wanted to do all the time. And that's not who I am. That didn't make me feel good. I didn't feel valued in those relationships. And I just internalized all of that lack of faith, right? I didn't have, I didn't feel like they would like me for who I actually was. And any of my old friends who genuinely did, I'm still friends with, but all the people that I tried to do things for or people please for so that they would like me, they're nowhere around. And that's just how it is, right? So even if you're doing things to get people to like you or to love you or to, you know, feel like you are loved by your coworkers because you're always going above and beyond, that still is not that true love, right? You're still kind of using that as a mask of, oh, they like this person, so I'm just going to be this person around them. And you're still doing yourself a disservice by not allowing yourself to be authentic in this world, right? Because only you feel that pain. No one else knows or feels that pain for you, and no one else can relate to you or make you feel better because you're isolating yourself by not being authentic in your regular life. And so that was another bit of a tangent, but just talking about trust overall, being so worried about 
productivity or the result of that productivity takes so much away from the journey. It takes away a lot of the lessons that you're supposed to learn. It takes away your sense of trust in the timing and in the journey that you're supposed to have. It makes everything focused on this all or nothing mindset where if you're not getting results, you're not doing anything valuable, which is not true. And it basically just kind of looks forces this superficial perspective onto your life, right? The ways that you can measure productivity or measure success or measure validation are most likely surface level and are not indicative of the actual impact or difference that you're making. And so it creates this shallow perspective around everything that you are doing because you're so worried about the result and not about yourself, your journey, the present moment, who you can help, etc. I'm not saying that you can just manifest everything and that everything can just come to you with you not lifting a finger. Yes, you do have to work for things or apply for opportunities or put yourself out there. But at the same time, what is genuinely for you will not miss you. So if you're just rushing through productivity or piling on busyness and responsibilities in order to feel worthy or feel good enough or to feel like you are going to accomplish your goals, just know that that extra bit of work isn't necessarily getting you any closer. Just like me editing 20 hours worth of YouTube footage that only got 10 views. That didn't move my business really any further, right? And so it's just important to remember that what is for you will be for you. And you have to trust in the timing of your life. You have to trust that there's not a timeline that you are comparing yourself to because a lot of what productivity falls into is this feeling of I'm either behind or I'm going to be ahead or I'm catching up. And that's something that we truly have to let go of because no one, there's not one person who's living the right life as in everything's happening on the right timeline, everything's gonna work out perfectly. Like there's not one person who has that life and we're not emulating this one kind of ideal person for the timing of our lives, right? And so when we think about things like that, you start to let go of the expectations of what my life is supposed to be like, because you can't catch up to something that isn't there, right? You can't say, oh, I'm behind because I haven't gotten married. If you stop, if you release the expectation of when you should be married or when the normal age is to be married. And so letting go of expectations of where we should be, or even figuring out what those are because a lot of the times like we don't consciously think about what those expectations are that we're putting on ourselves or that we're putting on our timeline but if you do a brain dub of what are my expectations of my life what are my expectations of timing what is my life going to look like at this time and this time and this time then you start to figure out okay this is the clock that i'm running against this is what's making my life feel like i'm behind but this is just an ideal version, right? This is just something that I made up in my head that is just as probable as any other reality because it hasn't happened yet. And yet I'm competing with it. And that's something that I didn't realize. Like I didn't realize how much pressure I was putting on myself to get my whole life done before I was 30. Even yesterday, I was getting so fed up with not being able to travel and explore and do things, not only because of quarantine, of course, but even in the years before quarantine, a lot of my friends were moving abroad or going to different places or traveling or moving to a new city, and it all just seemed so exciting to me, but... I'm still here in the same city that I've lived in for, you know, the last seven or eight years. And it, it's not my hometown, but it did make me feel a little bit behind. And I had to realize like, okay, but not everyone is 
starting a business. Not everyone is living this kind of life and this journey that I'm living. And so releasing those expectations of, I need to be here when I'm 30. I need to, you know, live in X amount of different cities will is starting to help me realize that I'm not actually behind and that I have plenty of time to get done what I want to get done. And the fact that I'm sticking to this arbitrary timeline in my head, all that's doing is adding pressure. Like if you can motivate yourself and say, Hey, I want to, you know, go on a vacation at this time. And that's something that you're excited about and looking forward to. That's still different than holding yourself up to this standard of, I have to be married and have X amount of kids by the time I'm 30 or 32, because otherwise you just feel like you don't have a sense of control, right? And that's what is really that gap. You don't feel like you have a sense of control. You have, you feel like you have to know what every next step in your life is going to be like because that makes you feel safe. And that's understandable, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right or that it's the only way that life is going to be. And the reason that that whole mindset and situation is problematic is because then you turn around and you shame yourself for it, right? It's one thing if you just notice, oh, it's interesting that I thought I'd be married by this age, and I'm not, and you move on. But when you start to say, I'm a bad person, I'm unloved, I'm never going to be worthy, you compare yourself to every other person in your hometown who's your age and has three kids already, and you know, you start comparing yourself and making yourself feel like you didn't fulfill these expectations. But who set those expectations, right? A mix of it could be society, but a mix of it is also yourself, because it's up to you to realize what those expectations are that you are internalizing because society is going to spew all kinds of bullshit all the time. It's always changing. It's always on 17 different levels of who thinks what is normal. And that's all bullshit if it doesn't apply to you and if you don't care. And you can allow it to all be bullshit by not sticking up to those same standards in your life and in your path. But if you continue to uphold those or continue to compare yourself to them, then that's something that you have internalized that you're not willing to let go of. And that could be something that you explore on your own, right? And so a lot of us have limiting beliefs around these topics, um, such as if I don't get married by 30, I'm, you know, going to be undesirable, I'm going to be unloved. Um, you know, the list goes on with all the different kinds of ways that we feel about timelines, and we have all these limiting beliefs around it. And so it's important to do some journaling and say, you know, where am I feeling like I failed myself? What area of life do I feel like I failed right now? And allowing yourself to be really open and candid in that journaling session will help you figure out, okay, this is what I'm comparing myself to. And then because you're conscious of it, you can say, is this even what I want? Is this even what I want to compare myself to? And that gives you that opportunity to step back in control and power over your own life. And like I've been talking about on my Instagram lately, which if you haven't followed me there, you definitely should because I'm the most active out of anywhere on Instagram. And I've been talking about how self-worth really is that power and that sense of agency over your life, right? If you are able to make a difference and step step up for what you believe in. If you're able to take control of your life and say, I'm going to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't subscribe to this, this, and this ideology. And that means that I'm going to live my life this, this, and this way. Then that's great. That's what self-worth really is, right? Because self-worth is being able to trust your inner instinct, trust your intuition, trust what you know is right about life and what your path needs to be, and let go of all this external stuff that's no longer serving you. And 
pairing that understanding with the sense of agency to actually do something about it and to actually live and model your life after that is what is going to allow you to create that reality that is different. And that reality then reflects your worth back to you. It reflects what you deserve back to you. And it becomes this cycle of understanding what you deserve, claiming what you deserve, especially as a BIPOC. And then from that putting that out into the world, letting the world remind you when you're feeling down of what you truly deserve and creating that feedback loop between you and the universe. That's the note that I wanted to end this podcast on. Thank you so much for listening. And again, thank you for being patient with me in getting these episodes out. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please let me know, either send me a screenshot and tag me on Instagram, which I would absolutely love to see, or just leave me a review on Apple iTunes. I really, really appreciate your reviews and your ratings, and they just mean the world to me when I read them, and I know that these podcasts are resonating with you guys. And the final thing I wanted to say is that I am so excited to be launching, I'm not asking, my three-month coaching bundle. So this is a one-on-one three-month coaching program with me. So we will have 60 minutes sessions over Zoom every single week. So that's 12 coaching calls with me. You'll have email access to me in between where we can, you know, go over exercises or you can vent to me or let me know something that you are struggling with or, you know, an area that you need to feel more supported in. I will continue to give you exercises, journal prompts, and even coaching in between our sessions through the emails. And you'll also get live personalized guided meditations. You'll get recordings of all the sessions so that you can look back on how you've grown. And this is the most in-depth coaching offering I have ever created. It is really going into every aspect of, you know, your growth and working with you for three months lets us kind of get past that hump of, you know, feeling low and feeling demotivated and not feeling like you want to achieve your goals. And having my help in getting you through those humps is going to be so monumental in actually achieving the goals that we've set together and actually transforming your self-worth journey. And it gives me an opportunity to see you kind of at every aspect, right? And every emotion or fear has some time to come forward. And so through working through those, you will be able to unlock what is really hiding within you, right? It's about remembering who you are and what you are capable of and what your power is. And I am so, so excited to be able to guide you in this journey. We have everything from, like I said, live personalized guided meditations, personalized journal prompts. There is no set topic for the week. So it's not like one week we're talking about this, the next week we're talking about this. This is a completely organic journey based on you, based on what you need to hear, what you're going through. And so it's not not, you know, slides or something that I've created before. This is coaching in real time through your real journey. And this is going to be so, so impactful. So the sessions are ready to sign up for. There's an application form to apply for this um, on my website. I only want to work with the people who are the most aligned, who are the most ready to jump into this kind of work. So there's only four spots open for the next three months. Um, I'm only working with four people at a time through the I'm Not Asking bundle. And so it is really, really important that if you are interested, you definitely sign up through the application. Um, There's also a spot on the application for a wait list. So if you know that you're not ready yet, but this is something you are interested in, again, don't forget to claim your spot because the spots are very, very limited. So 
The link to learn more and to fill out the application will be in the show notes below, as will the link to follow me on Instagram and find some of my other content online. I appreciate you all for listening, for sticking with me, for supporting the podcast. Thank you so, so much. I love you all and happy healing.